Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Whoever you are, I have always depended on the kindness of strangers. Who is it? Blanche, yes, Tennessee Williams, streetcar named Desire. So this morning I want to invite you into a long, dreamy meditation on the kindness of strangers who have appeared and disappeared from your life. I'm thinking of the unnumbered people who saw a 20-year-old foreigner standing at various crossroads studying a map of Japan, upside down, no doubt, and gently pointed me in the right direction or even walked with me to my destination. I'm thinking of the crew of flight attendants on my seemingly unending trip home after adopting a baby in Peru. As I boarded the plane, they took the infant and the diaper bag from my arms, handed me blankets and a pillow, and told me to go stretch out across three seats and get some sleep. They'd wake me up and give me back my baby, they said, as we were landing in Boston. I was reminded of these and 10,000 kindnesses when news broke from Paris on Friday night that in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks, the hashtag Porte Ouverte, open door, went viral as against all instincts, ordinary Parisians opened the doors of their homes and their places of worship to welcome survivors or those who were afraid to cross the city to come in and spend the night with them. For I was a stranger, and you took me in. This, said Jesus, is the key to heaven. And I was reminded yet again when the patrol car of Deputy Sam Brownlee was auctioned off in Weld County, Colorado, leading to a truly stunning turn of events. Five years ago, Officer Brownlee was killed in the line of duty. His two sons, Tanner and Chase, raised money to buy the Dodge Charger, but were roundly outbid by local rancher Steve Wells. Television footage from a week ago Wednesday night shows Steve Wells winning the car. The camera pans to one of the boy's faces. He takes it like a man. And then Wells walks over to him and hands him the keys. Here's your car, he says. Tanner Brownlee's eyes flood with tears. He stands, and the two men, strangers until this moment, embrace. Steve Wells bid $60,000 for that car. Moved by this stunning display of generosity, the auction house is donating all the money to a local group that helps survivors of officers killed in the line of duty. We can say thank you, but how can we repay kindness? It is almost certainly true that there is no 
payback. There is only paying it forward, not tit for tat, but with some magical alchemy of kindness and gratitude. Here are two more of my favorite stories about the kindness of strangers. When I was quite young, writes Paul Villard, my family had one of the first telephones in the neighborhood. I remember well the polished oak case fashioned to the wall on the lower stair landing, the shiny receiver hung on the side of the box. I even remember the number, 105. I was too little to reach the telephone, but used to listen with fascination when my mother talked to it. Once she lift, li lifted me up to speak to my father, who was away on business. Magic. Then I discovered that somewhere inside this wonderful device lived an amazing person. Her name was Information, please. <laughs> and there was nothing she didn't know. My mother could ask her for anybody's number. And when our clock ran down, Information, please immediately supplied the correct information. My first personal experience with this genie and the receiver came one day while my mother was visiting a neighbor. Amusing myself at the tool bench in the basement, I whacked my finger with a hammer. The pain was terrible, but there didn't seem to be much use crying because there was no one home to offer sympathy. I walked around the house, sucking my throbbing finger, finally arriving at the stairway. The telephone. Quickly, I ran for the footstool in the parlor and dragged it to the landing. Climbing up, I unhooked the receiver and held it to my ear. Information, please, I said into the mouthpiece just above my head. A click or two and a small, clear voice spoke into my ear. Information. I hurt my finger, I wailed into the phone. And then the tears came now that I had an audience. Isn't your mother home? Nobody's home but me, I blubbered. Are you bleeding? No, I replied. I hit it with a hammer and it hurts. Can you open the ice box, she asked. I said I could. Then chip off a little piece of ice and hold it on your finger. That will stop the hurt. Be careful when you use the ice pick, she admonished. And don't cry. You'll be all right. After that, I called information please for everything. <laughs> I asked for help with my geography, and she told me where the Orinoco was in South America, that romantic river I was going to explore when I grew up. She helped me with my math homework, and she told me that a pit chipmunk, I caught him in the park, would eat fruit and nuts. And then there was the time that Petey, our pet canary, died. I called information, please, and told her the whole sad story. I was inconsolable. Why was it that birds should sing so beautifully and bring so much joy, only to end up as a heap of feathers on the bottom of a cage? Paul, information please, said quietly, always remember that there are other worlds in which to sing. As I grew older, although I no longer called her, I would recall my sense of security and appreciated how very patient, understanding, and kind information, please, was to have wasted her time on a little boy. On my way west to college, my plane touched down in Seattle. I had about half an hour between connections, and without really thinking, I dialed my hometown operator and said, information, please. Miraculously, I heard again the small, clear voice I knew so well. Could you tell me, please, I asked, how to spell thank you? There was a long pause. I guess, said information, please, that your finger must have healed by now, Paul. 
So it's still you, I laughed. I wonder if you have any idea how much you meant to me during all that time. I wonder, she replied, if you know how much you meant to me. I used to look forward to your calls. I told her how often I had thought of her over the years and asked if I could call her again when the first semester was over. Please do. Just ask for Sally. How strange. Information please had a name. <laughs> Goodbye, Sally. If I run across any chipmunks, I'll feed them fruit and nuts. Do that, she said. And I expect one of these days you'll be off for the Orinoco River. Just three months later, I dialed the familiar number. A different voice answered, and I asked for Sally. Are you a friend? Yes, I said, an old friend. Please tell her it's Paul Villard. Oh, I'm so sorry to have to tell you, she said. Sally's been sick. She died five weeks ago. I couldn't speak. How could information please be dead? Wait a minute, she said. Did you say your name was Villard? I managed a yes. Sally left a message for you, and she wrote it down. I held my breath. It says, Paul, always remember there are other worlds in which to sing. There is no payback. There is only paying it forward with some magical alchemy of kindness and generosity. Here's another story. This is very short, but very sweet. A youth minister named Tony was going to be leading an overnight retreat, and the night before, his head just spinning with the details. He couldn't get to sleep. So he finally got a bed and went down to the all-night diner. He was sitting at the counter when three guys came in and ordered coffee, and one of them, talking too loudly and slurring his words, said, tomorrow's my birthday. One of the other guys said, so what? And they drank on up and left. Tony asked the waiter if they came around often. Yeah, he answered, they come in every night around 2. They work at the factory, graveyard shift. They're watchmen, if you can imagine. Tony had an idea. He conspired with the waiter, headed home, and slept like a rock. The next afternoon, as the retreat began, he took the kids to the grocery store to buy ingredients for dinner. And on the way, he told them his idea. They were all in. They crowded around the bakery counter and picked out a huge sheet cake, chocolate with vanilla frosting, and asked the woman there to write happy birthday on it. Next stop was the party store, where they bought crepe paper, balloons, a big happy birthday sign, and party hats. At 1 AM, still wide awake, they headed for the diner and transformed it into Party Central. It had never really occurred to these kids that not everyone had birthday parties with superhero and princess themes, parties with bowling and ice skating and pony rides. But once they got it, they really got it. At 2 AM, Tony was stationed outside the diner while the kids hid inside. And when the guys approached, he said to the birthday boy, what's your name, man? The guy was so surprised, he said, Rob. Well, happy birthday, Rob. And the door swung open, and the kids began to sing. Rob was speechless, shaking his head. The waiter came out with the cake. Make a wish, blow out the candles, the kids shouted. And he did. And he said, uh, would it be OK if I took the cake home instead of eating it here? I just want to look at it. 
It turned out no one had ever given Rob a cake before. So the waiter cut out a big rectangle that said happy birthday, that piece, and put it in a to-go box. And then Tony cut up the rest of the cake and passed it around. The waiter put quarters out of the till and fed the jukebox, and the kids sang along really loudly. It was a pretty great party. And at some point, while everyone was eating and talking and singing, the waiter leaned his elbow on the counter, looked across at Tony, and said, I'll bet you belong to some church. Yeah, Tony replied. I belong to the church that throws parties for boozy night watchmen at 2 o'clock in the morning. Tony just looked at him. If I could find a church like that, he said, I'd join it. Beloved spiritual companions, there is no payback. There is only paying it forward. Some magical alchemy of kindness and gratitude. Let's turn the map right side up and help the guests in our city find their way. Take the baby and let the parents sleep. Open our doors. Drive the bidding sky high and pass on the keys to joy and healing. Let's sing in this world now while there are those who need a song. As we have been sung to, let us sing and pass it on. And may we be the kind of church that throws parties for boozy night watchmen at 2 o'clock in the morning. May we be the kind of strangers on whose kindness the world can depend. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.